Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butter Beer. I am your host, Daniel Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. Jessica is short for what? Jessica? No. Because of your Spanish origins? Uh, no. We we did the DNA test. Yeah, those things will be fake though. It's fake news. <laughs> what it is. So, uh, how you doing, Jessica? I'm doing pretty good. Doing okay. Yeah. No uh, health uh, quandaries to speak of, or. Well, I think I had an ear infection earlier <laughs> this week. <laughs> because of course you did. Yeah. Why not? But I'm feeling better. Good. I got better. You got, I got better. I got better. Which is not I'm a Harry Potter of... reference. That's Monty Python <laughs> and the Holy Grail. I'm thinking of going for a walk. <laughs> Don't say that word out loud around our dogs. Um, one of our dogs, of course, Nightwing, nicknamed... Woo! Woo! Thank you, Nature Boy. <laughs> <laughs> we, got some, we got some new drops this week on Broomsticks and Butter. A little mashup. So, uh, last time we were rolling along on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, we talked about chapter 13, which was all about Mad-Eye Moody, even though he didn't really show up until the end of the chapter. But, uh, mind if I do a little recap? A little recap action? Um, not at all. That's, that's our normal, our normal flow. I just figured I'd ask. Alright. Go ahead. Be polite. Uh, it was the first day of classes for the fourth year for Harry and his buddies. Hedwig is still missing, delivering that message to Sirius. And students popped zits on bubo tubers in herbology. Uh, they got burnt by butt exploding lobsters in Care of Magical Creatures class. Nice. Uh, Trelawney creepily sneaks up behind Harry to start class. Hello, Harry. <laughs> Draco and Ron get into another argument, which devolves into Harry and Draco dropping a bunch of Yo Mama jokes. Draco tries to attack Harry when Harry's back is turned. Mad-Eye Moody swoops in, turns Draco into a ferret, has a bit of fun with him until McGonagall intervenes. Yeah, yeah, that, that about sums it up. So this time we're talking about Chapter 14, Jessica, The Unforgivable Curses. And... Students were talking are talking at the beginning of this chapter about why Snape is in such a bad mood, because he always is. Yeah, but more <laughs> so, they think. But the reason is, for the fourth year running, he hasn't been given the de Defense Against the Dark Arts job that he's won. Why do you think that... Do you think it's part of a grander plan by Dumbledore to not give Snape that position? Or do you... What do you why do you think... Snape obviously is campaigning for this job for years. Why do you think Dumbledore hasn't given it to him? Well, Daniel, I know why. Because I've read all the books. So it is part of a bigger And plan. I can't tell you. Okay. I'm just asking. It's part of a bigger <laughs> There's plan, a right? reason. Okay. It's good. I just wanted to know if Dumbledore's just being a jerk. <laughs> Uh, we'll, I know you we'll want use, this, we'll and use, you can't have it. We'll use your skills in potions class, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> of course. However, there's also a lot of talk about how Snape takes a bit of a step back whenever Mad-Eye Moody is around. What should we make of this? Does Snape have a history with Moody? Is it because Moody is renowned for his magical adventures? Does he have like a 
a reputation for being, I don't know, like a uh, trigger finger on his wand or something <laughs> like that? Well, he does seem a little crazy and unpredictable. But I think also it's just kind of, you know, there's all the rumors of whether or not Snape was involved with Death Eaters. Mm-hmm. And Mad Eye Moody would have hunted them down. You know what I mean? Just even. Even if you weren't a bad guy, or you were, had a history of being a bad guy, you kind of stay away from the cops, right? I mean. I love I love police officers. But you're not a bad guy. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> you're a Hufflepuff. I'm having a moment here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. So I feel like whether or not he's truly was involved in things, he just kind of wants to stay away. So let's not open that can. It seems like the kids are kind of getting a little kick out of that, that, you know, because Snape's usually kind of a jerk to the Gryffindors, and I think they're kind of getting a, a little kick out of the fact that Snape seems to be uncomfortable. Well, he was a bit of a bully to the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he makes them feel uncomfortable, and now he's kind of, like, yeah. yeah, now somebody's around who could potentially bully Snape. Right, that's what I meant. I think it's it's a little satisfying for them to... To see that the Gryffindors have their first actual defense against the dark arts class with Moody and they've been, really been looking forward to this they've heard Fred and George talk about how cool Moody was he knows his stuff man he does know his stuff which he should yeah <laughs> if he's they don't have very many teachers at these magical schools so there's not very many magical schools in the world there's not very many teaching positions at these magical schools. So it's not like the, the public education system that we work in, where there's a lot of people that don't know their stuff just because we got to fill jobs. <laughs> but they had Lockhart. Yeah, but everybody thought he knew his stuff. Do you think Dumbledore was fooled? Probably not. Maybe that was like Dumbledore's plan to like expose him... Because he has so much influence, Lockhart had so much influence in the wizarding community, and he's kind of misleading people. Maybe this was all Dumbledore's <laughs> plan to, to expose him and get him out of the wizarding community. Because by the end, he gets he gets pretty uh, flashy thinking. Yeah, his brain gets fried. Yeah, <laughs> turning the mashed potatoes. But I thought the flashy thing was okay. He got like. Oh, they they whipped the potatoes a little a little too much. They're a little soupy. <laughs> well, he, he got flashy things with Ron's broken wand. Yeah, by himself. Like he did you, it to himself. You don't want the mashed potatoes to be too thick. I think Jennifer said that she likes a little lumpy. A little, little lumps. And a, a, a few lumps are okay, but you don't want them to be like like you're eating you know freshly poured concrete. But you also don't want them to be soupy. If you whip them too much or you put too much milk in them or that's why I don't even use milk. I just use more butter. <laughs> more butter. <laughs> if they're too thick, I just put more butter on it. Uh, so this is uh, Cooking Hour with Dan and Jess Rhino. Yep. And we're joined by Robin and... Woo! Thank you, Nature Boy. We learned that Moody wants to focus on curses this year. 
and that he is only coming out of retirement for one year as a special favor to Dumbledore. So, Jessica, the revolving door of Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers will continue next year no matter what happens. Yes. And Snape will finally <laughs> get his opportunity. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, we also learned that Moody's magical eye apparently has x-ray vision. Score? That's nice. It can see out the back of his head. It can see through the desk. Um, does it also have laser ability? Uh, not that I know of. Does it have zoom? Maybe. I think it might have zoom. Telescoping? Telescoping? Capabilities? Maybe. I think definitely zoom. I don't know if it can, like, be a microscope or anything, but I'm pretty sure it can zoom in. We'll have Kelly look it up for us. Kelly's our... She doesn't have to look it up. She already knows. She knows everything. We'll have Kelly answer it for us. Uh, There are three unforgivable curses, Jessica. These are unforgivable because they're never to be used on another human. Never. But but they are? (laughs) All of them, he's like, yeah, it was extremely popular for a while. Yeah. Was it extremely popular because Voldemort's crew were using it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not really popular <laughs> in that it was common it was commonly used it's like like uh nuclear attacks were were popular for a while uh but it's that's because there were wars going on oh, i see you know uh it's not like it's like the cool thing to do <laughs> it's probably probably for the death eaters it was yeah for, it's probably just poor poor turn of phrase by by moody but uh, Ron knows one of the unforgivable curses from his dad, because his dad works at the Ministry of Magic. You would know that because of your dad. He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he told me. <laughs> it's called the Imperious Curse, and Moody models the curse on a spider. Jessica, what is the Imperious Curse? It yeah. is when you basically turn the other person into a puppet. You have complete control over them. He was making the spider do all kinds of things. And the kids thought that was pretty entertaining until Moody explains that it's not just making them, you know, flip around and and make a fool out of them. It, you know, this is the one that Voldemort had many people under during his reign of terror. Though some just claimed to be under it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When Voldemort lost and his crew was defeated... I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Oh, I was under the Imperious Curse. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you at home, he was doing this, like, weird wiggly dance. Wiggly dance. You know the NSYNC puppet video? Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. Oh, okay. Oh, and I'm a ghost, too. (laughs) I I don't know why you're a ghost. So if you rob a bank, you can just say, oh, it was the Imperious Curse. Why don't people just use that all the time? I don't know. Anytime they do anything bad. McGonagall catches you uh, doing something bad at school. I go, I don't know. Imperious curse. I don't remember a thing. Couldn't tell you. See you later. So There is uh, some significant... Is, well, is there some significance of Neville knowing the next curse? Because Neville happens to know the uh, Cruciatus curse. Big. Huge. Life-altering. They left it out of all the movies. You'll find out. Spoiler? 
Like a big, like huge, there is a big it's reason. A, it's there? a big deal. Okay. Uh, because Neville, Neville, classes other than herbology are not Neville's strong suit. <laughs> so the fact that he knows this answer mm-hmm. makes me think that there had to be some significance to it. And having never read the books, and if it's not in the movies, then I have no idea. You have no idea. What it is. Uh, you know, Ron had a connection with his dad telling him about the Imperius curse, but the Cruciatus curse, if I'm saying that right, Neville is aware of this one. And and Moody kind of takes a little bit of a, you know, he looks at his roster and he says, you know, Neville, Longbottom, and he takes a little bit of a an interest in Neville, which I think is, is kind of, uh, interesting because Neville is usually getting attention for the wrong reasons, you know, for melting cauldrons and, like they said, he's melted six cauldrons already. <laughs> well, year. Mooney's read the books; he knows. He's read the Harry Potter books. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows what's going on. Is this a real thing? No, <laughs> but he does know. Ugh. Did I just break your brain? Like an Inception thing. Uh, good grief. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. You, you broke my brain. Can you hit the wait what for me, please? <laughs> it moved. Wait a minute. Well, what? Thank you. It used to be over here. So Moody models the Cruciatus curse on another spider, and which one, what does this do to the spider? It seems the curses get progressively worse for the spiders. Yes. Um, well, first he makes it bigger so that you can really, yeah, you really, really can see look, it, because, yeah. you know, a little spider, it's not very. But um, it's basically pure torture, pain. It The spider's... Like curling in on itself. Harry said it couldn't scream, but he, he knew that it would be screaming if it could. And I think in the movies, it even does make like a high pitch shrieky noise. And, um, yeah, just pure pain. What do you, what do you make of Moody torturing these spiders? And, I mean, is it just kind of like a necessary evil in order to show what's going on here? Or is would there be a... Couldn't they show, show like a video or something <laughs> like that? Video. Um, like, well, a film, like a film strip? They don't really have like the technology stuff going on in Hogwarts. Um, the IT department hasn't rolled out I anything Arthur Weasley's got like a new VCR. in a while. Yeah, but he doesn't know what it is. He put a <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwich in it. That's true. Now it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> he thought it would to toast some cheese in there. I don't know. Um, so that's kind of a unanswerable question. But first of all, it's and they even said the kids even said probably wasn't allowed to be showing us this mm-hmm. so before it's like it's not even what do i make of him doing this he shouldn't have been doing it in the first place although they did say that dumbledore felt that they could handle it no he just said that dumbledore said this group was exceptional he didn't say go show him the three unforgivable curses 
You don't think Dumbledore told him to do that? No. Okay. Just curious. Honest no. question. I think he's he's pretty rogue in this. He's just doing whatever the hell heck he wants. Yeah, watch your mouth. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Watch your mouth, lady. This is a PG show. We're we're pushing the edge here with these curses and my curses came out. <laughs> I'm not out. pushing any edges over here. That's you, <laughs> potty mouth. Settle down. Sorry. I'm a Hufflepuff. Uh, so he models the uh, Cruciatus curse, and like you said, it's just like a torture curse. And which leads us to our next part. I want to talk about how conflicted Hermione seems to be with the next part because Moody asks if anyone knows the third unforgivable curse and like we said they're getting progressively worse Hermione knows it she always knows the answer always but she seems torn between proving that she knows the answer and doing what she feels a good student should do which is raise your hand constantly and provide answers I don't know if it's more of like a prove that I'm a know-it-all or just provide, you know, the teacher asked for it, so therefore I'm going to give it to them. Well, and she always has this inferiority complex from the beginning where mm -hmm. she was muggle-born. Mm -hmm. She felt like she was behind everybody and she's needing to make up for that and prove herself worthy to be there because she's muggle-born mm -hmm. and then that some people look down on that. So she's kind of got to prove herself. Yeah, and it's the first day with a new teacher, so that's another thing, you mm -hmm. know. She wants to make a good impression. and But, yeah, she also kind of knows what's coming and doesn't want to get there. Yeah, and she knows what's going to happen. She knows that Moody is not just going to tell what the curse does. He is going to model the curse on one of those spiders. So she she's torn, and, and she's very reluctantly raises her hand, you know, very slowly because she knows what's going to happen. And the last curse is Avada Kedavra. Is that right? Which is the killing curse. And Moody performs the killing curse on the last spider. And the main connection that comes from this is Harry. He sees that green blinding light and the fact that Harry is the only person to have ever survived this curse. Moody points that out in front of everybody. And that Harry surmises that this is the way that his parents must have been killed. And how is it possible for, for him to even process all that in that moment? I don't know. I So, I was expecting it to be a bigger moment and then in the book we just kind of right on by well, and I was just, like well, he but just, he just, he, they said he like stares at the blackboard and just kind of zones out even though everybody's looking at him he's just kind of trying his mind's just obviously working a, a mile a minute how, how can a, a teenager even like process all that information I don't know like and I kind of thought you know they should Hermione was worried about Neville's reaction mm -hmm. and was very upset by that, but I feel like it should have clicked more and she should have been even more worried about Harry because I'm, I'm assuming she put it together. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't know, like he said he saw 
when the Dementors attacked him last year, he saw the green light, and then he saw the green light, and he kind of put it all together. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure she put it together, too. Oh, yeah. But maybe they, maybe she felt like Harry has proven himself to be stronger. And kind of over it. Not over it, you know, yeah, over but your parents' thing, but you know what I mean. Not more able to cope with it based on everything he's seen. I mean, he's, he's had a real trial by fire these last three years and has really, you either toughen up or you, you don't survive what he's been through. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's still there and still excited about wanting to go back to school, even though something bad happens Something at school nearly kills him every year. I'm telling you, living with the Dursleys must have been really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Because Harry is willing to go back and face the Dark Lord again. (laughs) Like he does every year at this school, this institution for higher learning. And that makes sense. He, Like you said, he's kind of stepped up and taken care of himself. Which is probably something, too, he learned from living with the Dursleys. He's had to take care of himself and deal with things on his own. Whereas Neville's kind of babied. He's raised by his grandma. And he just always needed a little bit more looking after and keeping keeping him out of trouble and things like that. So maybe that makes sense. Hermione feels more like she needs to look after Neville. Than well, more than Harry. Like you said, Neville is very shaken after class, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione try to comfort him. But it's actually, kind of going back to something we said a few minutes ago, it's actually Moody who sees something in Neville and offers Neville a cup of tea in his office to, to comfort him. And Neville's definitely not sure about <laughs> spending any more time, especially in private with Mad-Eye Moody. But it does show that Moody is not just going to be the scared straight kind of teacher. You know, he's going to have an edge to him, like Snape does, but he's also going to have some of the qualities that Lupin had, which is more personable and caring, right? He's going to kind of be like a, a somewhere in the middle of both of them. Well, and I thought it was interesting, too, that so Harry's always kind of had this connection with the Dada teacher, whether he wanted it or not, even... You know, he spent a lot of time with Lockhart outside of class, you know, helping him write, answer his fan mail and things like that. And then he also spent a lot of time with Lupin. So it's like the role kind of flipped. Now it's Neville who get, he's getting kind of special attention from the Dada teacher. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was interesting. We had like this pattern going. Well, that's good, though. It gives Neville something. And I, I think it's kind of cool that later in the chapter, Neville is got his spirits up a little bit and feels like and and moody says some things that are very that are complimentary of him and uh, professor sprout said some things that are complimentary of him and moody gifts uh, neville this this book about uh yeah, the teachers the two teachers were talking yeah. about him in a yeah, nice way cool. you know it's not yeah. just like oh watch out for this one mm-hmm. and by the way answering fan mail is a much better detention than what neville had to do at the beginning of this chapter when he uh, melted his his sixth cauldron. I think he had to like, uh, like uh, dissect something. It was he disembowel frogs. Yes, disembowel frogs. Which he is the owner of a frog, so that would be particularly traumatizing. <laughs> oh his like, pet is a frog. Jessica, your uh, punishment. Your punishment for running that red light is you have to disembowel this dog. Yeah, that <laughs> that would not fly. Like, like the dog's already to, dead. It's I'll okay. Go to jail. No, no, it's not okay. I'll just go to jail. But we see a bit of the result from Neville's 
visit with Moody. Moody went out of his way to, to learn that Neville is very good in herbology. And he used that knowledge, like a good teacher does, to make a connection with his student by complimenting him and giving him a book about plants. So I thought that was really cool. That I mean, That's what a good teacher does, is learn about a student's interest and learn about a student outside of the classroom and make connections with them that way because you cannot base everything you know on what you see during the school day. You know, if a kid is falling asleep in class every day, it's not just because they're lazy, you know. Uh, maybe they had to stay up late and take care of the baby because mom had to go to work. You know, we we so many things I've learned about my kids and, you know, as we record this in 2021, 18 years of, of teaching, that, I mean, just some of the things that you don't know, and if you did know these things, you would be able to make a better connection with your kid and you'd be able to help them more. And I think that's a great thing that uh, Moody is doing with Neville. Oh, you're such a good teacher. Give me a hot take there in the red. <laughs> hot take! <laughs> a little something to break the monotony. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, now, this this next part goes on a bit long. But I really enjoyed the scene, because it's not really a movie, but I'm using air quotes for scene uh -huh. here. I really enjoyed the scene with Harry and Ronnie doing their divination homework. <laughs> yeah? So, it's impossible to interpret any of the nonsense in these books, right? Yeah. So, they sat down and did, like, a bunch of calculations. And they've Saturns got numbers and, and stars. and Rotation. Yeah. And, and Mercury's aligned with Venus. It sounds like they the started. Hour. They started, like, okay, well, first thing we're supposed to do is solve for X. Right. And then somehow they were supposed to get to predictions in their lives and how that related to the stars, but they didn't like know the middle step. So they just skipped it <laughs> and made some stuff up. I saw a meme once. It was like, if two trains are leaving Chicago and Los Angeles at 6.30 a.m. and X squared equals 142, then what is the square root of... It was just like adding all these different math things together that made that turned it into the most confusing word, you know, word problem ever. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what divination is. It's yeah. constantly trying to solve the most con you know, confusing word problem ever. So the best way to solve that is just to make up predictions. Yeah, and this that's is... what that's what Trelawney wants anyway. They were they were working on it and they just like okay can't figure it out. Do, the usual and he's like the usual make it up. They tried so. though. They tried for a long time. Yes. They, they did. didn't just get. I know Hermione would be very upset with them. Well, disappointed. Uh, Crookshanks was. Crookshanks is even disappointed. <laughs> Crookshanks uh, can can channel Hermione at times. And I'm gonna tell her what you guys are doing. It's you ever seen the gif of the cat just filing its nails? <laughs> just like black cat disappointingly filing its nails. <laughs> I imagine that's what Crookshanks did. Crookshanks jumped up on the chair with a file and just shook its head disapprovingly at the boys. So they're gonna have a rough go of it for the next month or so based on these predictions. Well yes, as they decided that 
to, in order to impress her the most, mm-hmm. it should all be bad things, because that's what she seems to gravitate towards, predicting the doom and the gloom. Hello, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die, Harry. As Jupiter is in its fourth moon, and the train is leaving Chicago. <laughs> And there's tea leaves that show the grim! Oh no! Stop, stop, stop. Sorry. <laughs> you know she doesn't like that. Jennifer? She loves when I do the grim! No. Oh no! Stop, stop, stop. Hermione. Jennifer loves when I mention the grim. She's just, she laughs at everything, babe. That's true. It makes me feel good, though. <laughs> I know she laughs at everything. I know I'm not really that funny. But the fact that she laughs at me makes me feel, it gives me a Neville moment. It makes me feel good about myself Aww. for once. Thanks. Thanks, Jennifer. Even though you're always late for everything. everything. Oh, oh, my God. goodness. So uh, some of the predictions, I think uh, Ron uh, said he was going to drown twice. So Hermione caught that. Yeah. So he said, oh, I better change that. Better change one of those drownings. <laughs> it was something that. Ron picked, and Harry was like, oh, man, I was going to do that. Okay. And they said that, uh, Harry said that he's going to lose a fight. And Ron said, well, I said I'm going to lose a bet. And Harry said, why don't you bet on my fight? <laughs> <laughs> why don't you bet on me to win my fight? It works out. Two birds with one stone. Uh, there's a dog underneath our table, and his name is... Woo! Thank you. <laughs> so if you hear... Uh, rustling on the podcast today, then we know it is. Woo! I don't know what happened there. Woo! Um, I find it interesting though because a couple of them, like he said, he was going to get burned on Tuesday, and Harry said, "Well, that probably will happen because we have care of magical creatures." Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fire butts, and we have the fire butts. So it just made me wonder. I thought about writing them down because I wanted to see how many of these things might actually come true throughout the course of the book. Mm -hmm. So it just made me curious. Well, Jessica, you're a Harry Potter aficionado. Oh, okay. And you like to spew Harry Potter facts out from time to time, don't (laughs) you? (laughs) This is another thing that is not in the movies. You like to... present for you, Daniel. Spew... Harry Potter facts out from time to time. What? Give me uh, some Harry Potter facts. Spew them out for me. Like, you want me to tell you what happened? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, like, just random facts? Or what actually happened? Um, so, Hermione comes in, and she's been she's been spending a lot of time in the library the past couple of days. The boys have been like, she's eating. The past couple of years. Well, more so the last couple of days. Like, she's even cutting, like, her mealtime short. She inhales her food and takes off. Mm-hmm. And it's the first week of school, so... Food is fuel now for her. It's yes, not, it's not about... It's not she can enjoy anymore. Or sitting of, around and socializing with friends. Because of what you're going to actually talk about here. So she's been spending all her time in the library researching and inventing a, an organization to benefit the house elves. Spew. Spew. <laughs> she had another name, but it wouldn't fit on the badge. Is it the, like Society for the 
protection of elf welfare or something like that, or proliferation of elf welfare. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember exactly. But yes, yeah, Spew. Spew is kind of takes over this book, and you don't get any of it in the movies. Interesting. So she's got buttons made. She's got badges made. Badges, sorry. And uh, it's it's like two coppers to buy a badge and join the the movement, mm-hmm. be a part of history. It's not a moment, changing it's history. A yes, there, she is going to change the world. I gave him a stick to play with because he was going for the squeaky toy. <laughs> yes, at least the stick doesn't squeak. And by him, I mean. Woo! Um, so, yeah, she wants the boys to join. She wants to get everybody, the classmates to join. She has, like, huge goals, though. She wants better uh, she wages wants, yeah. and working conditions for the elves, She or house elves. And she wants, um, she wants to get them, like, represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the ministry. And, I mean, not just, like, basics. Hey, let's change things at Hogwarts. She's changing the government. Yeah. As her goals. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, at the end of the chapter, Hedwig's back. Woohoo! She has a response from Sirius to Harry's original contact attempt regarding his scar hurting. Sirius writes back and says that he is flying north as a result of what Harry has told him, and that the scar incident is just the latest in a series of strange rumors that he has learned about. And Harry immediately feels upset about the news of Sirius coming out of hiding, isn't he? Yes, he's very upset. He kind of takes it out on everybody. Um, he's really a jerk to Hedwig. Yeah. She just wants some affection and some food. She's been flying for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just like, go away. I don't have anything for you. And so she hits him over the head with her wing as she flies out <laughs> of the room. <laughs> I see how it is. She's a sassy owl. Struts out of there and goes to the owlery to get her some uh, some eats. Eats, yep. But Harry is, he's, expand more a little bit. Why is he so upset? Why does he feel so bad about writing the well, letter in the first place? He's yet, is the be- moment of the scar hurting is kind of over for him. He, mm-hmm. you know, he woke up in a panic. He wrote that letter out, sent it. It's been weeks. And he's like. Uh, just a distant memory now mm-hmm. and so he doesn't really have that panic feeling anymore. he thinks he overreacted and it was nothing and now his stepfather or godfather is going to come back not stepfather <laughs> godfather is going to come back is that did you just spoil a twist <laughs> Spoilers. later on sorry oh my goodness serious married jane uh, in then the 30 Lily seconds Potter. the 30 seconds after james died before lily died she remarried guys i'm oh sorry my goodness spoiler <laughs> alert jessica we're gonna have to cut that out of this show so sorry people that are reading it along with me discovering these books these wonderful books for the first time aren't spoiled guys it's not true what a rough show today obviously you're, you're trying to curse not true here. you're sorry. giving big spoilers Sorry. You're kind of slow with the drops today. Yeah. I don't know what to say. You're pretty good at finding our dog's name, though. I, yeah, I figured that one. It's at the very bottom. Yeah. Woo! There you go. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he thinks it's just, it was for no reason. It was no good. He's going to come all the way back. He's going to get caught again. It's mm-hmm. going to be all Harry's fault. But Sirius doesn't think so. He thinks things are going on. He heard that 
Mad-Eye's at school, so clearly Dumbledore knows something's up. And kind of gives us some hints that there's really something going on. Even though Harry doesn't want to admit it or acknowledge it, it gives us as the readers some hints that there is actually something going on. Things are starting to get very interesting at Hogwarts here. Now that and, we finally got here. And we still got a big tournament to do. <laughs> we didn't even... We still don't have a Goblet of Fire. <laughs> oh, it's coming. Oh, but it's coming. I think. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Eventually. I would, I would assume so. Since they named the book after, book it's gotta title, come soon. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, that within the first 20 chapters or so, we would get a Goblet of Fire. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week. No emails. You can always send us those emails, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. A uh, shout out to our friends Austin and Jack Floyd in California at the People's Trivia Company. They do live online trivia every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night on their YouTube channel, the People's Trivia Company, at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, which would, I guess, be 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Central Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night on the YouTube channel. And it's free! Free! Free pub-style trivia. On the you People's can get trivia together time. without getting together. Yeah. We, we, we get together on FaceTime or Zoom, and we've got Kelly in Manhattan, and Anastasia in Connecticut, and Jennifer in Orange County, and we had our friends Zach and Brandy in Kentucky uh, the other day that were playing Sometimes with us. Sometimes your sister in Colorado. My sister in Colorado, my buddy Doug in Texas. We're all over the place. Safe, socially distant, but getting together and having fun with people's trivia company. So shout out to Austin and Jack Floyd. Shout out to everybody I just mentioned all around the country, uh, some of our uh, Mount Rushmore of uh, Broomsticks and Butterbeer friends and fans. And uh, shout out to everybody who is uh, downloading, listening, and subscribing. You can follow us on Twitter, at BroomsticksB. That's Broomsticks followed by the letter B, no spaces, no underscores. Jessica is on Twitter, at Jess Rhino, J-E-S-S-R-Y-N-O, for all of your book review needs. Uh, I'm at Dan Rhino, and I mainly just talk about wrestling. Wrestling. So you don't have to follow me. But follow Jess and follow the show, for sure. Definitely. And like I said, email us, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. We'll give you a shout-out on the show and answer your questions or read your comments. And if you are enjoying the show, whatever podcast platform you're on, whether it be Apple or Google or Spotify or iHeartRadio or Stitcher or... MySpace or um, LinkedIn, Shopify. Shopify. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're just making stuff up. Uh, It's apparently a real thing, but you can't find this podcast here. Leave us a five-star review, whatever platform you listen on. We really appreciate it. So until next time, I am Daniel James Rhino. Jessica K. Rhino. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.